He is back from Italy, Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Before we get him up to the microphone, if you're the 10th caller right now, you're going to win a $25 gift certificate to Sorgles out there in Clinton. It is so good to have you back. Seems like you've been gone for years. Buongiorno, buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> so was it everything you oh, thought it would be round man, two? Oh, man, oh, man. It was a great trip. We had uh, two different trips back-to-back, staying in Italy at the same hotel uh, with a great restaurant right next door, which I became friends with the uh, owner, and uh, we we saw we saw just some amazing things. Uh, you know, people all you know. I, I talk to people all the time who have gone to Italy, and they're just like, "Oh, Pisa is nothing." You know, it's just a leaning tower, and there's nothing in the town. Well, <laughs> I didn't find it that way at all. I thought, you know, seeing that tower, and then the you know all the buildings around it, and I loved the little town. There was a a place called the Orto Museum and Botanic Garden there. It's the oldest in Italy, founded in 1543. We had fun going through that. Uh, at Florence, they have this garden. We had to walk about 20 minutes to get there. Boboli Gardens, where you basically walk straight up almost. But it's worth it. You get a great view of Florence. As much as I, you know, I was gone for a long time, 18 days. But as much as I wanted to get back, I miss it. Here, this question has probably never been asked, and I've done a travel show for 30 years with AAA. <laughs> Does anybody actually occupy the Leaning Tower of Pisa, or is it just leaning and there's nothing in there? You can go in. Okay. You know, it's it's a tourist attraction. No, it's a, it was a bell tower. And the funny thing was, it's not just the tower that's leaning. About every building there leans a little bit because, yeah, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, built on soft soil. So... Yeah, we had a great time, and I had great people with me. We we just we had fun, you know. We had a lot of fun, but it's a lot of walking. One day it was twenty thousand steps. <laughs> well, you were eating good, so it was good to get a little exercise. Oh yeah, we were eating good. There, you know, that's the other thing. There's there's nothing like it. Uh, I often say this that you know people would tell me when they would go to Italy, oh the food, the food. I said, well, how good can it be? My wife is an amazing Italian cook, but. Uh, it's just different, you know, and it, how, you know, I had this one dish at this restaurant where it was different, different seafoods over vegetables. Okay. So, you know, the potatoes were as much of the star as the seafood. How is that possible? Well, it's not a potato that's been sitting in, you know, storage for six months. It's a fresh potato that must've just been picked. They were amazing. So anyway, we just had a, a blast, um, Let's let's get on to gardening. I've been out out and about even since I just got back Thursday, but I've been out poking around. It was oh, so nice to be back in the garden. I actually got out and fished yesterday. Uh, the leaves are just past prime, but uh, I'm loving this rain today. To tell you the truth, this sets us up uh, for the cold weather that's coming. I've got lots of stuff out there: uh, arugula, kale, and lettuce, and all sorts of cool weather stuff. Uh, and still time to plant. But, man, they've got bargains galore out there. Uh, you know, flowering kale is something I always put in, and I found one of my favorites out there. It's it's called Red Boar. It's a big purple one. It looks like a tree. It's already two feet tall. It's going to, by the end of the year, it's going to be three foot tall. And that that flowering kale can go all winter long, depending on the winter. And uh, also pansies. Uh, actually, at Han Nursery, which is right down the road from me, had flowering kale on sale and pansies, $5 for a flat. And I know you think, you're thinking, it's going to be $32. you are planting pansies? I'm like, yeah, pansies will kick. It also could go all winter, but we'll be, we'll love 
the cool weather. Uh, and so I always pair the flowering kale with the pansies. Uh, and then everybody ha- out there has garlic. You know, this is the time to plant garlic. I know you're probably sick of me talking about garlic, but I'm going to keep talking about it anyway. Uh, all the nurseries have garlic, and that's how you got to start with it. You got to start with the right garlic. It's so easy. And as I said, you know, you just look at dougoster.com. You can see there's at least six different harvests we have, which is something I spoke about a lot on the trip. Like, you know, when you get back, plant your garlic uh, because when you plant it now, you're picking the, the big one clove turns into a big bulb. You're picking that in July. If you love garlic, this is the time to plant it. We used to always do it in October. Nothing wrong with doing it in October, but since the winters have been starting so slow, uh, this is a great time to, to plant that. Also, deals on shrubs and perennials and, of course, bulbs. Uh, I, I've got some stuff posted uh, uh, at DougOster.com about my favorite bulbs, how to plant bulbs. Uh, I'm looking forward to that today's show because we've got a great guest. Steve Biggs is a friend of mine from Toronto who is the fig whisperer. That's what I call him. I'll have to see if he likes that or hates that. But he's written two books about figs. And he's in Toronto and he's growing figs. So he's going to tell us all about how to put the fig to bed. You could go to the nursery if you were so inclined and buy a hardy fig and put it in now or put it in the dormancy and be ready in the spring to to be growing figs. Again, you know, on the trip to Italy, I bought two big things of figs to, to give to people. And I did this in Croatia, too. Because I didn't really realize that people don't know what a real fig tastes like, and they're very reticent to try. In fact, one traveler said, the only way I like them is in a cookie, <laughs> Fig Newton. But anybody who tasted that fresh uh, that fresh fig, and they're, they're, you know, we pick them here and we eat them here, but it's not the same as the ones in Italy. Oh, that climate is perfect for them, and... Uh, it was just so wonderful to turn people on to figs, but I was talk, telling people that, oh, growing figs is, is so hard in our climate. Uh, for, and, and we'll talk to Steve about it on, on how to make that fig tree come out of winter ready to go. Uh, and I do have another trip in the works, and it's in the U.S. You do not have to leave the country. My first trip in the States, uh, again, people have been asking me to do one in the summer, one that kids can come, teachers can come. And it's to explore all the national parks out west. You know, Grand Canyon, Lake Powell, Zion, Bryce Canyon. We're going to see a couple cool cities. Jackson Hole. We got a whole day in Jackson Hole just to kick around. Yellowstone, Old Faithful, uh, Mount Rushmore, Crazy Horse Memorial, and all sorts of other stuff. And people are signing up for this trip already. In fact, some of the people that came with me to Italy are are signing up uh, right now. So if you think that's the right park, right trip for you this August, uh, go to DougOster.com and, and see what you think. It's going to be hot when we start, but it's going to be cool when we finish, and it was the timing was just right. This Friday is a very important event called Recipe for Hope. I've been part of this since the beginning. That's Bonnie Diver's charity to help women with cancer and um, celebrities. I put the quotes around that for me because <laughs> I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> But the other like TV celebrities will be there, uh, all sorts of cool people, and they make some food and serve it to you for this great cause. It started out um, that Bonnie was just getting, she had cancer and realized that uh, insurance companies were not paying for the wig. 
And so that's how it started. But she has a, a great support, uh, great support for women with cancer. And so I am making creamy seafood mac and cheese <laughs> with what do you think? Garlic. Yay! You're smart. <laughs> uh, everything I make is with garlic to try and draw people to this charity. It is really wonderful. Friday at 7.30, all the details are at hairpiece.org, and it is a very worthwhile charity. I'm looking forward to talking to Steve Biggs today about figs, but also Mrs. Know-It-All is going to tell us all about storing those uh, tender bulbs and tubers, uh, which I'm looking forward to, and I will tell you how you can get Steve's books. We're going to have a lot of fun. All right, good stuff. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and get right back at it. Doug Oster, DougOster.com. This is The Organic Gardener, part of your Sunday morning lineup on KDKA 100.1 FM AM 1020. Good morning. So I'll let you do the honors. Go ahead, Doug. Well, my friend Steve Biggs lives up in Toronto. He's the author of Grow Figs Where You Think You Can't and Growing Figs in Cold Climates. 150 of your questions answered. I will tell you how to get those books uh, when we're done talking. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Doug. Great to be here. Oh, great to have you. I call you the fig whisperer. Do you like that or hate that? I love that. Oh, awesome. Uh, Steve taught me how to harvest figs. And Steve, down here, believe it or not, I have not gotten a frost yet. And I'm still picking figs. What about you up in Toronto? Oh, excellent. Yeah, we had some weather in the high 60s last week. So I just picked a pint of figs yesterday morning for breakfast. Oh, so I was talking about just coming back from Italy, and I bought two big things of figs for the travelers to try. I was surprised that a lot of people have never had a fig before. Talk about why we go to these uh, efforts to grow figs, uh, because yeah. that, that, that fruit is amazing. If you've only ever had dried figs, you'd never think to grow them. But the fruit, it, it you don't see fresh figs for sale a lot. And when you do, they're never as good as what you grow because they don't keep ripening after they're picked. And they pick them before they're perfect so that they ship better. So when you bite into a fresh fig, it's soft, it's jam-like. Some varieties might have more of a berry flavor. Some are more sweet and date-like, but it's this really sweet experience. It's just, uh, that's how I would describe it. Talk a little bit about your obsession with figs. Why, Steve? Why? What is it about? What is it about figs? And how many are you growing? And what different varieties? I got a million questions before we start talking uh, about how to how to winterize that tree and bush. You know, I think my wife is asking the same question because we did get up to fifty varieties here at one time. Oh boy! And we had potted fig trees everywhere. And she said, "Will we ever get the car in the garage for the winter? Because that's where I was storing them." And it's, it started, I guess, because I worked at a nursery in the UK one summer that had their national collection of fig trees. If, if you can imagine that there's such a thing in the UK. And I got to graze on fresh figs all summer long. So once I got back here in Toronto, I was, I was hooked. And then as soon as I got my own garden, I started filling it up with fig trees. So if we were so inclined to, now after hearing you talk about the beauty of figs, start now with a fig tree could i go to the nursery now and put one in and then protect it or would i wait till the spring 
Well, now could be a good time if you find a, a good price on them. This time of year, nurseries are often looking to clear things out. They're giving so, them away, Steve. They're 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 they got Chicago Hardies here that they just want to get rid of. Oh yeah, well go go grab them, and you can either if it's a it'll be a potted fig, you can store that somewhere protected for the winter, and then you're off to the races in the spring. And you can there's different ways you can grow them and keep them, and we can talk about that. But by all means, go never turn down a free fig tree. Okay, so what do I do now that I have my fig tree? In my case, I've got a couple of them. They're out in the garden. We'll start there, and my tree is getting huge it's got to be 12 feet tall how do how do i keep that (laughs) happy all winter so i think for those of you who are new to figs what you need to know is that they're not hardy in pittsburgh or here in toronto but it's not that far off and so all that we have to do is moderate those temperature swings that we get in the winter just so that they don't get those extreme cold temperatures And so some people will grow them in a pot and then just put that somewhere protected for the winter. I put a bunch of potted figs into my garage, which uh, I keep just around freezing, maybe a tiny bit below. They can take that freeze when they've gone dormant. They'll drop their leaves and go dormant. Or in the garden, there's just a whole bunch of ways that we can keep them over the winter. And the key thing is be creative and figure out a way that fits you as a gardener and fits your garden so some people tip them over if you're a little bit warmer like you're warmer in pittsburgh than i am here in toronto maybe you can just do a wrap of some type Uh, i knew a guy down by philadelphia who would wrap his figs but he'd put a heat tube in the middle with an incandescent light bulb just to give off a little bit of heat on the coldest of nights he'd only plug it in when it was really cold so there's so many ways you can do this, and it's really fun thinking about a way that fits your garden. So tell me about when you put them into the garage, do they need any water or anything? You're just, you're just as soon as the leaves fall off, you're, you're dragging it into the garage, which you keep around freezing. Do we need water on that? Yeah, so uh, I guess first of all, Doug, I don't rush it into the garage because that potted fig it won't take quite as much cold as a fig in the ground, but you can still go down, I don't know, like 20, 22 in that ballpark. Mm. So it's no rush. For me here in Toronto, my potted figs don't go in the garage usually until early December. Oh, okay. So I just watch the forecast. So it's not a rush. And and when they're outdoors in that cold, that's good, right? Because then it's getting them really nice and dormant for the winter, which is what we want. Now, once you move it into the garage for the winter, you might or might not have to water it. It really depends how dry the air is. My garage is kind of humid because there's lots of plants in there. I think last winter I gave them a, a drip of water once. And wow. all I do is I stick my finger into the soil. If it still feels damp, I don't do anything because those trees are dormant. They've dropped all their leaves. They don't need to be nice and moist. Just a little bit of moisture in the soil is all you need. Steve, before I let you go, we only have a few seconds left. Tell people how they can get these books of yours and some more information about figs. Yeah, come visit me at foodgardenlice.com. 
I've got the books that you mentioned. I've also got uh, a little online mini course about figs and cold climates. And then once a year, I do a live virtual fig camp with all sorts of fig geeks like me, fig whisperers. <laughs> uh, last time I did it, I had people from Maine to Seattle to Quebec, Ontario, and it was fun. Steve, we, we will talk to you uh, next uh, spring about bringing those figs out. For more information about Steve and to get a signed copy of his books, I also have all that information at DougOster.com. Nationally recognized Pittsburgh rapper Frizzy and the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra come together on the Heinz Hall stage for one night special concert called The Glorious Succession of Frizzy on November the 8th, performing the world premiere of his orchestration of Frizzy's soon-to-be-released album Success. Details at KDKRadio.com. All right, back with Doug. If you're the 10th caller, you win a $25 gift certificate to Janoski's in Clinton. Final day of Pumpkinland. It begins at 10 o'clock. And as I told you just a short time ago, they've got something really special there today. Adults, 20 bucks. Kids, 12 and under, $10. All the pumpkins you can carry. You know what I found out about pumpkins, and I never realized this. This is why it might be a good idea to get the family and go out. You can use these things to compost. How many pumpkins do you think you could carry? Depending on the stems, if I could get my hands on that stem, oh, I think you have to kind of like cradle them. Yeah, can you put them in your shirt? Like, could you bring a bit? <laughs> could you do it that way? About a year ago, it looked like I had one in my shirt. <laughs> um, I could probably carry four or five. Now, there's some smaller ones. Yeah, and if too. you were a kid and you wanted those little ones, three in each arm, maybe. Yeah. You can have a lot of pumpkins. How far do you have to walk to the register or to your car? That's why you got to ask the employees. Well, out see, there. that's the trick. The parking now they moved it. Uh, no, <laughs> that, yeah, that, it'd be like I think you have to get to the register. I'd guess. With my case, the Shell station up the street, you know. <laughs> but I just I I heard you can use it for composting. I never sure, knew that. Sure, sure, but I mean, could you make a pie out of it? Could you? Yeah. And I like to have a jack o' lantern past Halloween. There's nothing wrong with that. No, and you've got two days before Halloween. You could put three or four and line them up on the porch. They're fun. It's fun to do too. And those seeds. Remember those? Ooh, oh man, loved them. Yeah. Let, let, let them dry them out a little bit. I'm I used to, to love think that. How many of those I could get? It. You should go out and little picture. I don't know. I just think it's a great idea, and it's happening today, and it's the fun. You well, know, it's when kinda, I was when I was out there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mike showed me the giant pumpkins. Oh, they're like, ma- massive. Mean, yeah, like the incredible, great pumpkin. They're they're like massive. How are like, you going to carry that? <laughs> see, here's the thing. There's got to be a trick to that. There's, you know, a balancing. There's got to be a way to do it. You just got to put some thought into it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Isn't I'm it? thinking about it. The other thing, I'm telling you, that would be a that that'd be one I just would. Be a, you should go make a video. I'd share that thing all day long. <laughs> all right, listen, um, we want to hear from you too. If you have anything on your mind in the way of gardening, eight six six three nine one ten twenty. Okay, so you're going to get in on this conversation. Channel two has a guy on yesterday about leave the leaves. Okay, now Eddie Pfeiffer gets in here yesterday. Pfeiffer True Value, brilliant. Mike Bruneschewski, the great Andy Amrine, they're like, slice them, dice them, mulch them. So I'm out there with my little mower doing my spiel all the time, and you told me this low cut, whatever. Mike's saying don't go too low. But when it comes to the leaves and your expert opinion, do you leave the leaves alone or do you get them off the grass? Those guys, True Value, said get them off the grass. The guy on Channel 2 said leave them on the grass. You have the same mower I do, by the way. The Toro? Oh, I thought you had the Black & Decker Electric. I have the black. My son's got the Toro. I got the black and yeah. orange and black battery yeah, yeah. powered. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Well, I love it. You know, because of my sleep schedule being all off, yesterday I was up at five in the morning. As soon as it got light, 
You were out there. I can use my electric mower because no one can hear it. I never thought of that. Yeah. So, because uh, I had I had to blow leaves too. So, I'm in an oak forest. There's no way I could leave all those oak leaves on the grass. Mm-hmm. But if I start now, just cutting them up, and it takes like you know three passes back and forth, back and forth to really get them small enough, then that's a positive. So that's why you told me not to bag them. Yeah, that's a positive. I got it. But if they're big, wet oak leaves or even maple and they're they're like three inches thick or something without being cut up, they're going to kill the grass. So it's it's a case-by-case basis, but the leaves are a positive if, if you can get them shredded, if you can shred them up. Now, when I talked about blowing leaves, I I have to get them off the patio and I have to get them off the driveway. And that's that's a process that takes – I'll be doing that all through November – uh, the, the way I do it is, you know, sometimes people say, oh, just wait till they all fall. No, man, that's almost impossible to move them, even with a big backpack blower. And so when I went out yesterday, they were I knew I had to get to it before it rained. Mm-hmm. And they're nice and dry. Man, I blew it off. Now, by today, of course, I got a lot more, a lot more after cold rain and stuff. But as soon as they dry off again, I'll do it again. Uh, so as long as they're not matted on top of the grass it's a positive it's a good thing they're they're going to decompose when you shred them up like that they're gone next spring you know they're decomposing over the winter mm-hmm. and so it's a positive and i always tell you leave your grass high right and let it lie but yeah the last mowing should be a little shorter maybe two and a half inches well you know how we talk about volcano mulching and it you know prevents the water from getting to the roots but if you have a bunch of leaves around the trunk of a tree should you get them away from the tree? Yeah, nothing should ever touch the bottom of a tree. Okay. Uh, let's, let's get those off there. But, again, you know, shredding them up, if you can do it, that's a great, great way to add uh, fertility to the soil. Same with the, the trees. You know, when we talk with those guys from Davy Tree, they're always saying, you know, the, the, the trees in the forest, this is how they thrive. The leaves fall and they sit there. And then they decompose, and then the next year again and again and again. In the landscape, a lot of times there's no, you know, we're removing the leaves, and they're not getting that benefit of those leaves as uh, as compost. That's kind of like a drive-through window for those trees. You know, you just pull up and something to nurture and love, and next year it just shows up again, right? <laughs> like a quarter pounder and cheese. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ted in McDonald, PA, wants to talk boxwoods with Doug Oster on The Organic Gardener on KDKA. Hi, Ted. Yes, uh, when do you uh, cut or trim boxwoods? You want to wait until the spring. How did they come out of the winter and everything? They look okay? They looked okay, and they're, right now they're kind of long. I wanted to trim them earlier. What, when's the proper time other than the spring to trim them? Seems like in the late fall they should be trimmed again. Well, here's why we don't want to do it in late fall, even though they need it. If we do that, new it's going to put out new growth that's very soft and green that's not going to harden off. And if we get a real cold spell, those boxwoods are going to look terrible in the spring. Trust me, wait until early in spring when they start to leaf out again. Cut it then, and then do it again in, you know, midsummer also, and maybe into, you know, August, September. But this is a little too late. If we get a warm-up, they'll, they'll sprout with that new growth, and then that's not going to be a good thing. And I know that you're looking at those boxwoods, and you want them to look a certain way, 
But you're so lucky to have decent-looking boxwoods because for most of us, the boxwoods got decimated last December, and so we're hoping this spring they they come back and do their thing. So if you can, just hold off until we get to about April. I have one that it's it's like bronze. It's in front of a, uh, the uh, furnace dock, or if it comes out. And I don't know if yeah, that's it's been there for two, three years, which looked great, but now it's starting to look a little bit bronze around. I'm wondering if there's something wrong with it. Well, that can be. Uh, there's a boxwood blight. There are leaf miners, and there are some other problems that boxwoods can have. But at this point in the season, we would just we would leave that as it is and see how it looks in the spring when it comes out of the spring. If you're seeing a, problems in the spring, the best thing to do is actually have one of those experts come out uh, from like a Davy tree. They come out for free, and they could actually send a piece of that to a lab and figure out if it's boxwood blight, or they could look at it and say, oh, that's leaf miners. We can treat them this way. So see how uh, see how it looks coming out of the spring, and then make a decision on what you want to do with it, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, what do we got coming up after the break? Mrs. Know-It-All is going to tell us all about how to store those tubers and bulbs that are tender. Those are going to need to come out here pretty soon. I actually have a friend that uh, has an amazing dahlia garden. Every year I go, and I, you know, I wasn't here uh, for that time in Italy. So I'm hoping we get a break in the weather today, and I can go there and photograph all those dahlias because they're, they're stunning. From meatballs to meatloaf to your favorite hamburger recipe, it's ground meat recipes coming up with Frank Dentisi on the Coons Cooking Hour after local news at 8 on KDKA. Good morning. The moment of truth has arrived once again. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's horticulturist Denise Schreiber. And before we start with bulbs and tubers, she wants to weigh in on the leave your leaves or or remove your leaves. And I am a remove your leaves. Uh, we are ground zero for ticks here in western Pennsylvania. You know, and Lyme disease has affected so many people, including friends of mine. So, Including me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and for where you live, I'm surprised you haven't gotten it several you know times. What? You know what? Believe it or not, when you and I were talking on the phone yesterday, and I didn't want to tell you at the time, I pulled a tick off myself while we were talking. So, Okay, TMI, TMI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, you know, uh, you can bag your leaves as you uh, as you mow over them and then use it either in your compost bin or you can use it as a mulch in the landscape and you get the same effect you don't kill your lawn per se and you really lessen your chances of getting Lyme disease and ticks all over you you know Denise we just we're getting all mixed messages though like your regular consumer we've got people like for pollinator people, they say, leave your leaves on your perennial bed because the butterflies lay their eggs underneath there. So it's hard to figure out you know, what, to, what to do. You can leave the leaves from your perennials there, uh, you know, and they're going to break down a lot faster than a lot of the leaves. Or you could just simply, you know, like I said, chop them up and throw them in there. If you leave enough of a uh, cover of the leaves, the butterflies are going to be just fine you know and we know the monarchs have headed south yeah. so they won't be in their eggs there so let's talk about storing some of these tender bulbs and tubers is it something that you do or something you're going to tell us how to do uh, both 
I actually have a number of tropical plants, and I can't leave them outside. And I really don't have a good – you've been to my house. You know I don't really have a good place to winter them over and let them grow. Especially once you start putting all those Christmas trees in there. uh, Yep. And I dig them up, and I uh, cut off the leaves and leave some of the stem, not a lot. And then what I do is I let them dry out completely. And then I put them in a paper bag that I've marked what it is, like my cola cages or my uh, bananas, you know. And I have a new one, that redemption cola cage with the black leaves and red center. So I'm letting them all dry out. I put them in a paper bag and just write with a magic marker what they are. And then I have a small garbage can that has no light. It's not one of the ones that like flips open or anything. And I pack them in there with some very dry peat moss. And then I put them in a cold, cool to cold area. Um, and how cold? You know, just pack them. Um, I let it get down to about 30 oh, because wow. they're insulated. They're okay. insulated with the peat. You know, you, you have to have enough peat moss in there. You can't just sprinkle it on. You actually have to use it as kind of like packing material and get it in there. You don't want to use something like newspaper or, you know, you could probably use perlite. But yeah, well, I, was, to... I was thinking vermiculite. That's usually what I use, but everybody does it a little different. Well, with vermiculite, that will absorb a lot of moisture out of the air, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't use it. It, it. You need the big, chunky stuff, too. So I use peat moss, and it cushions it. I pack them all in there. If it's a small enough plant, sometimes I leave it in the pot and just bury it in there. And then in the spring, I take them out and pot them up and start them to water. You know, and people bring in their hibiscus this time of year, the tropicals. <laughs> uh, you know, and the problem with that is when you bring them in, you may bring in a few little friends that you don't want. I brought in a yellow jacket the other day. Uh, and people will always like, oh, it's blooming. Well, that's kind of a transplant type shock to the plant, and it's blooming. What you really need to do is, and people are going to hate me, is cut it back hard, and you can water it. Do not fertilize it. Put it in a bright, cool room. And I'm talking like 55 degrees. So if you have an unheated sun porch, something like that, keep it there. And then in the spring, when it's warm enough, you can put it back out. But until then, you've got to be very vigilant because if you let them bloom, what you're going to find is you're going to have thrips, you're going to have spider mites, you're going to have aphids, you're going to have mealybugs, you're going to have all those friends that you didn't want. Uh, Great advice as always, Mrs. Know-It-All. Thank you, Denise. And thank you for hosting the show the last two weeks. That was great. I'm answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. Also information where you can come along with me in my summer tour of the national parks. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, good to have you back. Doug, stay with us. David's got the news next at 8. And then Frank Dentici and I ground meat recipes on the Coons Cooking Hour, KDKA Radio.